Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Wednesday, the something, it's near the end of the 27th. 27th. Tick tock, Andy. Time mm-hmm. is running out on the Lakers and their season. 21 games remaining, uh, including Wednesday night's game at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, who pelicaned all over the Lakers. <laughs> Uh, the other night. Without Anthony Davis. Without- who will be playing tonight. Oh, good. Limited minutes. I, I keep picturing, like, Anthony Davis every so often looking over at Rich Paul during the game. And, like, depending on if, say, the Pelicans are beating the Lakers. It's just sort of like half thumb. Yeah, well, he does He very, does the gladiator, the Joaquin yeah, okay. Phoenix. Like, and he has to do it in very dramatic fashion, like the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Now, if you're a Laker fan, you don't want Anthony don't want Anthony Davis in this game, or do you want Anthony? Because the, the Pelicans play angry when Davis doesn't play. So, like, in some ways, Davis might help the Lakers. Like, he comes in, maybe doesn't play so well. The only way I want Anthony Davis playing... Whose team he, is he on? I was going to say, the only way I want him playing, if I'm a Laker fan, is if he's wearing a Laker jersey. Otherwise, because I, he could get hurt. But what if he was going to help sort of... Maybe what if he just only went, like, 75%? That's still way too good. No, not apparently not based on what they did last time. He's like... The, the the Pelicans with you know they they don't like the Lakers no they don't and uh, they played really hard the other night played yeah, really well we'll they get do. to that in a second uh, obviously a lot the, the this whole playoff thing Andy is 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 going to dominate we normally we do a lot of prep like well hey what do you want we'll send a lot of emails back and forth big so we'll just we're just I think we kind of know what we're talking well you about. know what's funny is uh, you know we're coming off that loss to Memphis you know the the we, yeah. the second well. <laughs> Well, I meant we. I know. I know. Yes, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not doing We're taking the, this very personal. No, I'm not doing the you know we like the the fan speak for it. I'm just saying we we the royal we are the coming collective off this. those of us who pay attention yeah, to the team exactly. And it's the you know the second straight loss they've had that you know in this playoff quest was considered you know one of the you have to win this one and memphis is not a good team at the moment. They were coming off a four game losing streak. The most recent had been against Cleveland, and that night you know after you and I did the. Uh, ESPN LA 710 postgame show, which was just all angry callers. It was, it was let, let people behind the curtain a little bit here. There's like a hierarchy of calls, like regularity for call-in shows, like postgame call-in shows. Primetime home games get the most calls. Yes. People are leaving the arena. They get right on their phones. They call in. Like right when they're getting out, they're ready. To, when they need us. Right. The second is like, um, it would be like, prime road games yeah and then like you sort of work your way down this was a what day was it, it this was, was a tuesday a, a no it was a monday, a monday night. it was a monday an early game yeah it began at five o'clock local time right in memphis in memphis this would normally saturday the saturday game against new orleans a mid like mid evening four o'clock tip local. right in new orleans on a saturday nothing but angry calls like yeah banked full from the start of the show to the end of the show both both games because people were upset, like calling in, like the, I can't imagine what's going to happen if they lose uh, Wednesday night at home to the Pelicans. Like we're I mean, like it's going it, to it is going to be lit. Like well, the phones. and I had a dream that night after we did the post game show for the Memphis game, Brian. And is this dream where like you and me and a bunch of like other 
like fuzzy faced media types. Like I knew who they were, but I didn't. Like I couldn't people see with beards like Orem. No, I mean like they're just like oh, you know, the faces are like fuzzy, like pixelated, like pixelated. Like, yeah, exactly. Like you just can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell who anybody is. You just know who they are. Do they still make those? Uh, no, I think in the, in the age of internet porn, <laughs> it just it just, it's just feels. Internet, it's just internet. I porn. mean, unless you, that's really just your fetish, like the old school <laughs> stag <laughs> film. Because like, it used to be like they no, just that a was black. Ball. Yeah. They mm-hmm. put it over your oh face. yeah. Um, must have taken a lot of effort. So and we were all like, part of this like is that Jay? Know, no, it's like a yeah, panel or something like that. It was like a it was like a radio based or broadcasted seminar that was being led by Stephen A. Smith in this dream, and Stephen A. starts asking different people on the panel how the Lakers would prepare for a game against the Sixers. I, I, I guess Philadelphia. Subconsciously comes to mind because Stephen A. used to cover Philly sports. And he calls on me. And I say, you know, I try to force Jimmy Butler into being more of an outsider. Andy Kamenetsky! <laughs> well, no. <laughs> it's your turn to ask a question. Well, look, I want I want to say off the bat, like, the, the purpose of this is not to make fun of Stephen A. Like, we're not. But we might as well, <laughs> as long as we have the opportunity. <laughs> the floor is yours. But uh, so he he says to me, you know, he asked me what I would do. And I said, try to force Jimmy Butler and take more outside shots because, you know, you'd rather have him doing that than driving, you know, where he's better at the basket. It seemed like a good idea to me. He said, decent, but he's not a great three-point shooter. That's a very insightful no, question. No, 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 no. no. Let me finish, Brian. Okay. <laughs> I say that. Stephen A. just looks at me in this dream and goes, no. <laughs> and, like, the it's such a just No. That I, I look at him, I go, why? And then Stephen A. just gives me this death stare. And, like, in my head, in this dream, I'm like, Wait, what do you do? You don't want this heat from Stephen A. Smith. Like, you don't want to be debating Stephen A. No. Smith. Like, you're, you're going to lose this battle badly. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Then he calls on you, and I don't remember what your answer was, but he also just responded with, no. <laughs> and then I end up waking up, and, like, in the beginning, you know, I initially wake up, Brian, and, like, you know how sometimes you wake up panicked from a certain dream or whatever like there's like stress or anxiety and initially i'm like feeling like it's an anxiety over this thing with Stephen a and i'm like this is like me feeling i don't know less than adequate about like my work on air or like you know my ability to analyze basketball like insecurities just your, your sense as a man yes but then i end up realizing like no this dream is not about me. It's not about Stephen a it's about the total futility in trying to figure out how to save the lakers like that's that's actually what the dream was about. So let's talk about this for a second because that's really where we get. Because like twenty one, no, no, <laughs> no, and the death stare. This because like the, we're at we are really getting now. The Lakers are not out of it. It's twenty one games. John Ireland said they had to go twenty and five, and they still can't. Mm-hmm. They've just got they can only lose three more times the rest of the season. Um, but are they three and a half or three out right now? Uh, I believe three, but I'll take a look. Yeah, so you know the, the math is getting challenging. First it, of all, you know that it's starting to get futile when you and I don't know it off the top of our heads. Well, I I, my, I would look, but my computer. No, but I just mean there was a period where we knew exactly where it was because you felt more obligated to stay with it. Now you're just like, right. eh, three, by the way, they've gotten lucky in these, in these games. You know, San Antonio's lost a few in a row, so at least they're not losing ground in that regard. But the, you you have this this situation where it's. It's not even so much, Andy, about three, three games. Okay, so, uh, you know, it's still, to get to 45 wins, you you know, the record needs to get significantly better. 
you have this situation where we're already kind of moving into the past the is are there enough games and like can they go 19 and 8 or 17 and 7 or whatever whatever it needs to be on any given day to are they good enough to even go 500 because the way the team is playing right now let's remember they all, they they did play better with more cohesion against Memphis than they did the other day yes. against New Orleans yes they did which is good let's say they won that game they came back they said you'd feel better just about the playoff math because it matters but like it's not like you feel good about the team like oh well they 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 really rose up and beat Memphis I mean, come on. Memphis so, was 13 games below 500 when they played that. Right, and that's all front load. Remember, Memphis was a playoff team for yeah. the first month and a half of the season. And so the, you look at this team and you try to figure out what exactly was going wrong. Your dream is exactly right. It's not change the coach. It's not uh, you know play harder. It's not stop overlooking opponents. They don't have, in my humble opinion, Andy, enough good players – to win games. They've got LeBron. They've got Kuzma. They've got Ingram. And I'll throw Reggie Bullock in. They've got four players that I think you can reliably put on a basketball court right now. You're making a very weird face. No, nothing, computer. nothing. Okay. You can't operate, certainly not in a Western Conference playoff push, with four players that can be put on the floor reliably. Because the guys after that, it's not even, it's not even a matter of, like... Well, that guy's okay. The guys after have universally been awful. Yeah, Rondo has been terrible for like basically since he got back from his. He injury. hasn't even been a good point guard. I mean, forget, no. forget the the defense, which you know he has not been great on that side of the ball. Oh, he's been awful in a while, and certainly not this season. He at least for a lot of this season had been a good he offensive point guard. Right. right. So you take Stevenson has become almost unplayable. Chandler. And I'm, this isn't his fault. He's 900 years old. They got as mu- they used him as much as they possibly could, and it was important. Yes, he got them going in the right direction. Yes, and you know, but now he, he he can't be put on the floor either. KCP has completely devolved again, and you know, Josh Hart is too injured to do anything useful. So it's 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 four guys who are reliable and good. Two of them are still young, and one is Reggie Bullock, um, who's a role guy. And like five guys, six guys that you can't put on the floor confidently. So, what do you do with that? I mean, it, you can barely beat or play with Memphis. Maybe you're not going to play with what is it? Is it Friday night in Milwaukee? Yeah, that's not going to work. No, you get run off the floor. I don't know. I mean, some of this could get helped by Josh Hart. You know the recovery, but because, not, that's not going to happen for you. I, I'm, I just mean like if say within a week he starts feeling better, that can maybe which help I get, maybe he, it's tendonitis, right? PRP and, yeah, Ex- okay. Exactly. I'm just saying like you know some of this is dependent on Josh Hart if he can start moving that recovery quicker because you know he did have a couple games you know in the last few weeks he had the he Houston looked, he had the Houston game was really the one where he was a contributor but he still couldn't score. No, he couldn't score. But I'm just saying at least he could be part of a defensive push. I mean, you knew that. You knew that Josh Hart's knee is just preventing him from doing anything when, during the Memphis game, he tried to beat Chandler Parsons going baseline and couldn't. And I mean, and Chandler, Chandler Parsons can't move. He yeah. cannot move it. I mean, Chandler Parsons is trying to establish that he can move in this league, and he, and he, Josh Hart couldn't beat him. Yeah. And so, but like, there's so much controversy around the team, and what about this? And, and frankly, man, yeah. 
Zubats has been invisible lately. He's, yes. Really, but, for all, but for all this controversy, it's like you just look at it right now. The, the, the problem is they've sent them players. And, you know, when, when you get to the when we get to the end of the year, or we may not even need to before we have to really start blame pieing hard, like, doesn't that, like, in the end, doesn't the fact that the team, the bottom fell out of this team because JaVale McGee, Tyson Chandler, again, not his fault, but whatever. And JaVale, some, some of this, I'm sure, has to do with the after effects of the pneumonia, which is obviously is. not JaVale McGee's fault. Some of it is. Some, some of it is. He's never played it. these type of minutes right. going back to like 2013. And some of it was, was as good as JaVale was with the Warriors last year. It's a different deal playing with that group than this group. And he also played 10 minutes a game. He was overperforming probably at the beginning of the year with the Lakers. So they're getting more than people really could legitimately expect. But McGee, Stevenson, Rondo, all these guys, Beasley gone. Beasley's already gone. Like all these guys that were brought in to bolster this team and be the, the, remember we were all worried like what if the young guys don't play well and these guys, like they've been unusable. And so, you know, it doesn't mean the questions about the young guys and their future here or Luke Walton's future or anything are mutually exclusive to what about these guys, but like the roster that was put together this year, as some of us predicted, just particularly some of us in the studio was just wasn't good enough. yeah i mean well it, from the beginning you were you know both of us felt like they're doubling and tripling down on some of the things that they did well last year while you know in bringing in those guys not retaining brooke lopez not especially retaining julius randall you're going to predictably and this ended up happening in terms of the the folks that they brought in you're going to lose some defense and either way you're not addressing the glaring need for shooting. And it was obvious that they needed shooting. It was obvious that the guys they brought in didn't. But, you know, we were told by Rob Belinka that, you know, in so many words, like, we're missing the shooting that they provide. Like, you know, that they're. No, it's there. It, it's there. It's we're there. just not we're just, seeing it. If you break down the numbers, this right. guy off a of catch and shoot, this guy there. And, it, you know, obviously that turned out to be wrong. Um, but it was wrong in predictable ways right. because we've seen all these guys play and we knew, you know, Josh Hart's, I think Josh Hart's plummeted shooting has to do with his knee because he started out right. the year But KCP's, well. you could argue last year was the exception, not the but rule. He's always been streaky. He's been a streaky three-point shooter his entire career. But but but, but streaky that always ends up at 30 to 34% yes, exactly. as opposed to 38 and a half, which he yes. really shot last year. Yes. But, but the, you know, it's, in the, like if LeBron is healthy for 80 games... They're in the top eight. Yes, I think. I, I I don't I don't think that's, but I don't also don't think that's the point. It's like when you when you start to evaluate because now we're getting to that part where you evaluate and it almost you could almost argue that, or at least make the argument that LeBron being there for eighty games and kind of papering over some of their problems, Lonzo's healthy, all these other things, like kind of would have papered over some of the mistakes that were made in team construction that could have become more important when you actually have a championship-caliber team that you're trying to put together. So, I mean, at the very least, we saw some things that were kind of exposed this year in philosophy and and whatever. If it, if it sounds like I'm a little down on the front office, it's because I am. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I You and I are both covering the Lakers for The Athletic, and I wrote a piece that uh, came out today about how, you know, in the wake of, you know, Kobe's Achilles tear and Dr. Buss's death and the playoff droughts, the coaching carousel, the free agency misses, the infighting between Jeannie and Jim, there had been a lot of bad optics for like the last five or six years surrounding this team. 
And the organization heading into this season had done a really good job fixing a lot of those optics. Things weren't perfect. You know, you could tell, you could still see that, like, when Paul George went recommitted to Oklahoma City without even giving them a pitch meeting or the way Magic overdid it with with the introduction of Lonzo, there, there were still things that signal not being bulletproof. But they had fixed a lot of this. They had moved things optically in a much better direction in a relatively short amount of time in a way that was really positive and was something that they could rightly be proud of. And the last few months of this season has done major damage, not just to the optics, Brian, but to a lot of what fixed the optics in the first place. Because I think what had happened is, like Magic Johnson and Rob Polenka came back in and restored some it was a it was, it was they restored confidence because they felt much more competent a but sense also of stability stability but also like a that kind of that pride and like you know no we know what we are here and we're going to go back to being what we are and we and we and more importantly we recognize what made us what we are it's a commitment to excellence in all things it's a commitment to being having the best stuff. We're going to build a new, we have a new facility. We have, you know, it's like, this is what it is. And kind of refocusing that sort of championship direction and that championship energy. And it kind of came with a, uh, with a, an acceptance of it hasn't been that way and we need to get it back to where it needs to go. That I think is the kind of, it's an optimistic message. There's obviously confidence. You could even say, uh, a little arrogance, a little bit of that whiff of Lakers exceptionalism, like we belong here. But it also was p- partnered with, but we have work to do. We got to do the you work know what to it's restore like, it. It's like, remember, years, it's one of the most brilliant advertising campaigns I've seen like in probably the last five, ten years, when Domino's- Oh, right. Our pizza sucked. Yeah. Our pizza sucked. We heard you. We know it wasn't very good. We fixed it. Right. We are in the process of fixing it, and we're going to continue listening to you. And to- A- Pizza did get better. It's much better. But B, their customers loved it. Domino's, like, reading about it, like, it did better after that. But what they stopped, they don't run that commercial anymore. No. The commercial for Domino's isn't, now our pizza is infallible. Right. (laughs) Now now it's, hey, $7.99 large pizza deal. What an app, by the way. Or now they did the really, oh, I love the pizza tracker. If you have kids, the pizza tracker is awesome. The Domino's app, and this is a totally unpaid, unsolicited, unless they'd like to start offering us to you know to pay us in which I don't case even think the station has a pizza spot well they should and it should be with us but the Domino's app is awesome it's good it's a great app so continue the problem is now the lakers run the the equivalent of don't criticize our pizza mm-hmm. you know did the new orleans pelicans negotiate in good faith magic johnson says no you know what maybe they didn't i'm sure they leaked the hell out of a lot of that stuff i'm sure stuff was coming out of the lakers organization too but you know you you got to read the room you have to know what is it in New Orleans' interest to make your hand stronger or weaker going into the summer? Is you know what do they, what do they want to actually get going here? And you know, and, and the Lakers, if they really did engage in this just full out assault negotiating or whatever with with uh, with a team that wasn't negotiating in good faith, well, some of that's on you, right? Don't play the game, and you know, Rob Palinka. Certainly don't play it as aggressively and after a while publicly. Right. 
if, when you can see the effect that it's having on your team as you need to win games. Rob Palenka, don't talk like you know, like you invented the concept of 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 cap space. Cap space. Like you know, if you go back and you listen to some of his interviews after the trade deadline, they're already laying the groundwork for why this summer might not work. Well, you know, now there's a lot there's a lot of competition now, Andy, for free agents because our idea, you know, to open this cap space, people look. I'm paraphrasing, but not by much. You know, people looked at our plan and said, "Oh, maybe we should try that too." As if nobody had never occurred to anybody. Like the Knicks hadn't thought about let's open up extra room so we can get Durant and Kyrie Irving to come play for us. And around the league, this stuff matters because even if you don't think the rest of the the 29 other franchises are on your level, you still got to deal with them, and you don't you don't need to make your life harder by projecting the sort of arrogance that comes with it and that that line between confident and arrogant where it's okay it's the lakers to you know what bleep you guys is an important one to recognize and i think they've blown through it over the last three or four months well i think especially too when you know we started getting that vibe from magic johnson and and rob palinka upon their getting hired and obviously, you want to sell optimism because you know the the things had grown. Oh, you both, needed it. Yeah, things had grown futile and had grown ugly. You know, the the infighting within the organization and you know Genie's obvious discomfort with everything that had been happening, and, and you needed to turn that page in a dramatic way. And whether you think Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson were the best people to do it or not, whatever you need to sell that as something to be positive about. But when you start presenting it the way I think Rob and especially Magic did from the beginning, like you were already back and you've already won, beyond the fact of, you know, typical Lakers exceptionalism and arrogance, you're also hearing it from two guys who've never done this job. Yeah. And there's going to be people around the league being like, dude, are you, are you kidding me? You've won what? Like, what if you, what, you don't even know how to do this job. Like, you, we don't know that you know how to do it. And... You know, due respect to, you know, Magic Johnson is one of the most accomplished people you will ever meet in life. He is an astonishingly impressive person. Rob Palinka was a very successful, you know, agent. Jeannie Buss is an incredibly impressive person. All of them are unproven at this particular stage mm-hmm. of what they're doing for the Lakers. It's true. And you, you have to at least be self-aware enough to know that it's um yeah i mean I totally i mean I, yeah i mean I, I agree with the all of the stuff you said i, mean, I don't i don't know if magic there was like we've already won at the beginning but that's that's i don't want that's 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 a sort of sort of impression thing but the rest of it i think you're exactly right and what what'll be really fascinating is and it's important to point this out it could still all turn out of course it could absolutely if, if the could. lakers sign a second free agent this summer and they put somebody else around LeBron and they build a team or whatever. They'll have broken a lot of eggs to get where they want it. But you know what? If the end result is we've got LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, or you know LeBron James and uh, you know Kyrie Irving or whoever it might be, plus now we can make a swing a trade and we bring in Anthony Davis. That's a nice the, omelet. That's okay. That's pretty good. Like you yes, know, if, if, if that's the end result, absolutely. Then you could argue about process, but you can't argue the result. Absolutely. So. And, and that possibility 100% still exists. Absolutely. But it looks harder now than it did, than it did a and while ago. The questions that are going to come 
there will be people that say, oh, but, you know, but they ended up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, so it's all worth it, and ignore that. And and this is where the growth of D'Angelo Russell into an all-star in the East and Julius Randle continuing to play where he is and Zubat's trade and, and all that. Like, you, st- Larry Nance putting up really nice numbers in, in Cleveland. You start to do an accounting of what they've given up to create the cap space to go out and make this super team. And if they end up trading the remaining young guys to f- get that second superstar, second, now you got two. You don't have three, you got two. The, the, the scrutiny that they're going to be under over these moves that they've made, which were very widely praised at the time, generally. They were. Are, you know, there, there's going to come back. I'll, and, I'll and tell you, I, I was thinking about this a couple days ago because it, it was, I think both the same, I think it was, may have been the same night of the Memphis loss, but also it was a game where the Thunder were playing and Paul George had yet another just terrific year in what's been an MVP caliber season. So much of the initial praise for, you know, the Lakers cap space moves and, you know, like the moving D'Angelo Russell, you know, all the different things that they did to very aggressively, you know, proactively earlier than they really even needed to much earlier. start creating that space. I'll, well, keep in mind, they did try two years ago to get people too. They sure. Just couldn't, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of the, the creation of that space, a lot of the lens that it was viewed through was when everybody assumed that they were going to get Paul George and that it was Paul George and LeBron. Right. Because there was a you know very wide assumption that Paul George was in the bag. So you're looking at this all through the idea of, okay, now they've got the space for Paul George and LeBron because there had been this heavy assumption that both were coming. And you know if, if it looked a little more dicey then... It might have been viewed differently then as well. Like it was just, it's just interesting how much the absence of Paul George specifically changes the way you look at a lot of this stuff. Because if nothing else, it really starts bringing up the idea of they didn't have to do it this early if they weren't going to have Paul George anyway. Right. Well, that's the one of the defining characteristics of this front office is they be very decisive and they make very, they make their choice and they stick to it and they push through and whatever. And you know. People look at us and say oh, it's it's hypocritical of you to come back and say, you know, well, you you said it was a good idea, but and that's true. But except every 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 one of these trades, I've always said it's a great deal if you get what right. you want. If you if you if you finish it. And look, I said from the beginning, I understand why they didn't give up Brandon Ingram or whoever for Paul George. Oh, yeah, I you, get it, but you would have. But I but I said from the beginning, I don't think. It's a given right. that he's leaving OKC because that is a great team to spend some time around. It's not a given that he's leaving. No question. And even while, again, looking at sort of broadly speaking some of what they're doing and saying, look, they're moving themselves in the direction that they want to go and nothing else. And some of what they did, you know, certainly I, I had no issues with the Clarkson and Nance moves. I'm not going to retroactively go back no, and criticize that, again, that. That's a great move to open up space and whatever. And Jordan Clarkson is not a great player. You know, Larry Nance has some value, but they got a pick back in that. Like, no, they, no, I'm not. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to retroactively you, start criticizing that. But you still, if you end up, we both had some mixed feelings about the D'Angelo trade. I, the, thought, they were giving, I thought they were giving up on D'Angelo yes, too early at the time. We both but the did. the even understanding why we both still thought it was too early. But the the um the thing about it is those trades were all geared towards a a solution to your team building problem built around free agency and cap space. 
And if you don't succeed in that way along that path, it changes the calculus on how you decide and evaluate the quality of those moves. Because if you, you know, and Larry Nance, there's, he, somebody's going to have to pay him. This, all of this stuff matters, like when guys come up for contracts and all these things. But, you know, Nance maybe could have been kept around and used for something. To, I don't know. But you you have a situation where um, you've given up a lot of stuff. You use Randall in a very short-sighted way, which is we're just not going to keep him because we can't eat into our cap space. Whether you allow for no creativity in how you look at team building. And if it doesn't work that way, you need to be held accountable for it. Uh, before we go, I want to mention uh, Andy and I just came from uh, the Bank of California Stadium. Um, and so if it sounds like I'm running out of energy, it's because I am. Because I've been spending the last, we spent, what, an hour? Yeah. Eating, like, deeply oh, delicious food. Oh, They had LAFC, it's their second season, and they had uh, their their culinary media day, mm-hmm. which basically means, hey, media, do you want to come and eat our food? Which, yeah, I mean, that that yeah. is that of all the sort of fish in a barrel kind of setups, like, that's the ultimate one. Hey, media, free food. Oh. But what they but have free good food. Free good food. Free good food. If you're going out to LAFC, and I, I do recommend it because like they the, the stadium's beautiful. It's a really fun experience and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, we're not full disclosure. People. We're a radio partner. Right. Blah blah. But, blah. but, but, but like, we're not soccer people. No. Um, my kids play. I'm learning more about it. I like it because my kids like it. When I'm learning the game, or whatever. I've learned nothing about it. Yeah. The stadium's beautiful. Oh my! It's fun to go out to. If you go this year, let me re- make a couple recommendations. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna have a fried pop tart. You're gonna you really you're gonna wanna have one. You're gonna wanna eat right there, and you're gonna wanna make sure it's hot. You're gonna wanna have the chicken, the Korean chicken and waffles. Yeah. Oh yeah, from Soul Sausage. Yeah. Ooh. You're gonna you're gonna want that. Yes, you do. Um, it's a little different than you're gonna expect it, and it's very very good. You definitely want the. L.A. rotisserie fried chicken sandwich. Yes, you absolutely you, you, you want, want that. that. Yeah, you. Um, so get, I would also, by the way, uh-huh. uh, just as long as we're staying on this, I would also recommend the empanadas. Very good. I would absolutely recommend, recommend the, empanadas. the empanadas. But I would also like to point out that this might have been the wrong time for me because we 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 came there, left the left the stadium. Drove up Fig, came here, doing this podcast. I'm on air at three, mm-hmm. and I'm doing the pregame show, mm-hmm. and then I'm doing the postgame show. Mm-hmm. Don't forget and, halftime. And halftime. This was probably the wrong day for me to eat like that because I am already tired and need to do the Al Bundy, you know, unbutton the top button, sit down on the couch with my hand in my pants. We don't even have a couch here, Andy, and I can't put my hand in my pants because I'm at work. It's probably for the best. I mean, I know you a, are at work, right? It's I know probably a, for the best. I know a couple people around here who do that anyway. I'm just saying, Brian. It's probably no, it's, for the best because you're at work. It's a good rule. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not, it's not criticizing the rule. I'm just saying it was bad planning. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it was good. Oh, hey, it was good. And you should go by LAFC. Yeah, so thanks to LAFC yes. for the uh, for the food um, and. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to so curl up in a ball. I, I guess one last question before oh. we sort of wrap up with the Lakers. Like, what? <laughs> it, how, if at all, do you think they can try to regroup? Like, is, is there something that you – I mean, the roster limitations we're seeing right now are the roster limitations. Hopefully Josh Hart can get healthier, quicker. Hopefully Lonzo Ball can speed this up. 
You know, I mean, he's being we, evaluated. He's on being Thursday. evaluated. Hopefully, he's being. You know, the evaluation comes out positive. But is there anything you're seeing that they, they or ways that can possibly offset the limitations that are in front of them? Like, I mean, did it, did, no, not without getting better players back. Because the problem is with this is where the Zubats trade has. Because even if Muscala comes in, can shoot the ball, whatever he's can't he you can't play him as like a a guy who can body up Joakim Noah down low when you're getting destroyed on the glass or things like that. They're back to that situation now where you have to play small ball against in situations where you don't want to because um, JaVale can't do it and Tyson Chandler can't do it. And, and so defensively, you know, the gap between Lonzo and Rondo is so big that until Lonzo comes back, and he's not coming back tomorrow, you know, even if he, if he misses five more games, which it seems ambitious to me. You'd have to be thankful if right. it's only five. And so now you're down to 15 games or so with Lonzo. That's not, there's not going to be enough time. And to do that, like you just, you know, the defensive integrity with who they have available isn't enough that they can go out and, and play great defense for long. Stretches. I would say the one thing that is, if not entirely, is largely within their control that they can at least try to offset the limitations would be just the turnovers. It, they would make their own lives easier if they would avoid a lot of very stupid turnovers. They would, but you know what? I, I, I'm not saying it would fix everything. Right, I'm just they, saying at in this terms point, of they are trying, such a turnover-prone team. Yes, they are. And, and it's not like when they play well, they don't turn the ball over either. When they I, win, I'm they just turn saying the, the margin over. for error is now No, you're right. Smaller. You have to stop. But like, this is one of the things that I think is interesting. It's not a panacea. This I'm just saying the, it would make it easier. But in terms of one of the reasons that I don't, when you ask me what can be done, because I, I think the structural problems here are more important than anything else. They cannot show, like Bullock is doing his job, the rest of the team can't shoot. They're not going to be a good free throw shooting team, even though Bullock is a good free throw shooter and Brandon Ingram's hitting his. As a group, they're not going to be a good enough free throw sh- shooting team to do that consistently. And then the other thing is the turnovers. At this point, 60 games in, this is what they are. They are a high yeah. turnover team. And I was, I was shocked because I broke this down, you know, at the end of, of the, of the week. Um, I was like, oh, I figured, oh, when they lose, their turnovers must be really bad. But when they win, it's probably they probably take care of the ball. No, they don't. If you if you look at the Lakers in their wins, they average I think it's fifteen point nine turnovers a game. That would rank twenty third in the league measured against other teams when they lose. So, like the Lakers as a turnover team, like when they lose, they're like bottom of the league. But when they win, their winning turnover margin again would be ranked 23rd against the rest of the teams in the league in their losses. Such, That's how bad such they bad are. bad food, and, and the portions are so small. And they're so small, exactly. So, like, you just can't fix it. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's the problem. It's, it's, it's coaching, it's whatever. The Luke Walton thing, we'll, we'll spend 10 podcasts on it, I'm sure. There is no coach that can fix that. Well, There's and, no coach that can fix the, the three-point shooting, the fact that they can't play defense because they're injured. And well, and also, too, I mean, with Luke Walton, I mean, getting back to the, the optics thing and one of the things that they've really hurt during this season, it's amazing how in you know less than three complete seasons, Luke Walton has gone from being widely perceived, not just in L.A., but around the league as a prime get, like a really great acquisition, an enviable hire by the Lakers. If, if the Lakers had not hired Luke Walton, I think you agree with me, Brian. I'm fully confident someone would have by now. That's why Mitch, Mitch said when he fired Byron when they did, it was because yes. they knew Luke wouldn't last. In three years, we've managed to go from that to Luke being perceived as a dead man walking. And it is in part because of the way Magic Johnson Dead man has walking. A, 
here. Yeah. Not as a coaching prospect everywhere else. Oh, no, no. But I'm just saying, and it is because of the way Magic has really allowed that narrative to persist, and it hurts whatever agency you think helps in terms with coaching, like, you know, that buy-in, that leverage you have as a coach and as a leader, it undercuts Luke in that regard. Completely. Whatever you think it could help in this, and maybe it wouldn't be enough anyway, but he's been cut off at the knees in a way that is just so negative for what they're trying to do. Yeah, so it'll be just a downer time. Look, it'd be a great story if the Lakers can get it together and rally. Look, I'll say this. And if they manage to get into the playoffs, by definition it means they they're playing well. really well and, and they'll likely look like a team that no one wants to mess with. Just because and then you know, it's, you got LeBron, you got whatever, and like we, should, we should acknowledge Brandon Ingram has been great. Kyle Kuzma played Kuzma's well. Been really well, playing really well. Ingram and Kuzma during this period, it I their will fault. say, it ain't their fault, but also if you're trying to even look at like a cynical glass hat – Half full stance. Maybe they've done something to reestablish their trade value. Yeah. If ultimately that's you know how the movie ends for them, for sure. And they've so both played. Th- there really are well. good things. So and LeBron, you know, LeBron as a leader, LeBron, the optics, LeBron, sort of how he fits into L.A. is another podcast in and of itself. But the actual encore play, I don't think he's healthy either. No, he, I, um, I seriously doubt he's healthy. Yeah, and but he's been. He's not the problem either. Like, but like it would be, it would be neat to see LeBron pull that act. Similar to Kobe did on the Dwight team, just drag him into the playoffs, just without the final right. result. Yeah, without that part. I hate bringing that up. That well, story but you, up. No, you right. need to. Um, but I just don't see it, and I and I don't I don't from a pure basketball standpoint, I just don't think they are a good enough team that if you strip strip away the laundry, as good as Ingram is, and good as Kuzma is, if those are your second best players, and you're playing the best Western Conference teams. Or whatever, and best teams from the East, which they got a lot of those games left. You're at a disadvantage, even if you have LeBron. But especially if LeBron's not 100. percent So, like, you know, it's not like Ingram is so good at this point that you say, West, you know, LeBron Ingram is good as good as Westbrook Paul George. Like, that's no, we're not there yet. So, hence my pessimism. And now, Andy, as I said, I'm going to curl up in a ball in the corner and try to take a nap for an hour or so. Uh, because I am uh, I'm full of fried food. All right, we'll be back as soon as possible.